Pet Chat time. Our team are here. Firstly, Dr. Kimberly O. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. It's double duty. You were here last week. I am. I'm filling in some blanks. <laughs> we're doing it. Now, Cheryl Short, we're on always, when you join us, we are on Brooch Watch. So what are you wearing today? Oh, okay. Yeah. It's definitely for the, what are we, for the Queen? It's yes, custom no? fashioned. It is. is well, I'm fashioned. wearing an antique little vase and mm-hmm. in it is some bird's food. All right, so birds obviously the topic that? today. Yeah, and what to feed them. It's great in spring. Hamburgers. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do not take that advice. It's a no for hamburgers. It's a no for hamburgers. What about pizza? No, no, no. Ice cream? No, no, no. Oh, it's more for us, right? It is. Yeah. All right, first though, uh, good afternoon to Kate. Kate, you have a uh, puppy that's getting car sick. That's no good, Kate. No, it's terrible and messy. It is. It is. And I'm afraid to tell you, Kate, that there's no easy solution. My golden retriever is 15, 16 months old now. Um, she is getting a lot better with her car sickness, but she has been a car sick puppy from the very first day I took her home. Um, so some of the things that I would suggest is um, if you can, and if the puppy's not too, too little, too young, try not to feed them for a number of hours before you um, put them in the car. Um, sometimes, most, most dogs will outgrow car sickness sickness if it's just the motion sickness but what can happen is that some of these dogs will develop an anxiety related car sickness as well because they feel like every time they go in the car it makes them vomit and so then they start to get worried and that's where I'm at a little bit with my dog at the moment she gets in the car and even if the car is not really moving you can start to see her drooling and things like that so we do some desensitization um, even from a really young age where you you don't want to try to not encourage that behavior so like even if you're not going to drive your puppy around we've got a couple extra minutes just get her in the car don't even turn it on um you know just sit with her and make it a positive experience so that it's not that every time she gets in the car she's getting car sick um okay how old is she Ah, uh, she's four months, four and a half. Four and a half, yeah. yeah. So, like, it does take some time. Some people, um, you can try putting her in different locations in the car, depending on what kind of car you have and how big she is. Um, so, yep. for a long time, I found that having my dog uh, sitting on the floor behind the passengers, like, or behind the driver's seat, so she was sort of in behind me, and I just had her sitting on the floor there. That seemed to help because I think she couldn't see out the windows. Now she's uh-huh. too big. She's a golden retriever, so she travels in the like in the hatchback of my. Um, RAV4 Um, and so sometimes she vomits sometimes she doesn't if she lies down and keeps herself calm she doesn't vomit but if she's more excited and she's looking out the window she's much more likely so you could try putting her into a crate where she can't see out the window so you know a semi-solid sided crate that might help Um, there are some medications I can tell you I have tried them all none of them are 100% but you could certainly um, you know have a chat with your um, vet and see next time she's in um, and see if they have you know something what they have on on hand that you could try um i am planning crossing my fingers we're going dog dog friendly camping this weekend so i've got the expensive drugs um to give to my dog and we're going in my husband's truck so i'm really hoping she doesn't (laughs) she doesn't vomit so like yeah try to not build up that anxiety um give her time try to you know do it on an empty stomach certainly the empty stomach is is pretty good um and then just don't give up Okay, no, okay. I won't. I won't. Okay, well, thank you. You're very Thanks. welcome.
If not, Kate will just have to buy some, you know, lots of plastic sheeting. Yeah, so I went and actually got some old um, sheets. So you can just go to the op shop, buy just some old flat sheets. And now I have three or four of them and I just lay them in the back where the dog sits. And so if she vomits, I like fold the side over so that there's a clean side for the trip home. And then I shake it out onto the road or the drive or whatever let the birds eat the vomit and um, wash it and it's relatively simple that way all right uh, some <laughs> advice there uh, good afternoon gail at budgie Woy. your cavalier is eating dirt gail yeah, he's 11 and a half and he used to where we used to live eat a lot of grass every day and he was going all right i guess um so he's had several bouts of pancreatitis, pancreatitis yep. i'm very careful on what he eats he's on a special royal cannon diet yeah yeah, now we're back here. He doesn't like the grass that's here, so he's eating dirt. And I'm concerned that if there's anything in the dirt... That it could um, flare his pancreatitis up. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, I mean, usually the pancreas is responsible for, di- for digesting fats. So hopefully anything that's in your soil isn't going to be high fat. We do see an increase in dogs wanting to eat it if people have put um, blood and bone meal down and things like that. And if you've moved and you won't necessarily know what they've put into it. But it shouldn't hopefully um, flare up the pancreatitis as such. Um it's a really tricky, yeah, it's a really tricky one if they're a dirt eater. Are you seeing it actually come through, like the stools are sort of dark and, and dirty? Well, uh, yeah, they yeah. are. But the thing is, over the years, he's always, he gets sick and he yeah. gets this mucus in his stool. So yeah. he's just had a bout of diarrhea fairly badly. Yeah. So the vet. They've put him on a pre and a probiotic. Yep. Um, the pasty it, one? Is it the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. Yep. Very good. It is it's fantastic. Been, does he need to stay on that forever now? or No, but it's pay? probably worthwhile. I keep some at home um, in my cupboard, and if, the, you know, if you have a bout or the dog's you know, stools start to change, I start them on it straight away before going. It's not a, not a prescription product, so now that your dog has had it, probably your vet will um, be happy to continue to sell it to you. Um, and I think it is available from some online suppliers as well. Um, but So it's probably a good idea to keep some on hand. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's one of those tricky things. Some dogs... You know, I have a dog who um, likes to dig up rocks and eat the rocks, crumble them up and eat them. My last golden retriever was definitely a grazer. She would just go around the, the edge of the yard and eat grass, and it never seemed to cause her any upset. Um, so, you know, I think from a pancreatitis standpoint, might be okay. Um, if you know who owned your house and if there was blood, blood and bone meal, hopefully that will, you know, sort of settle into the dirt and things like that as we have more rain and things, and hopefully that won't continue. Um, and just, yeah, be careful about what you put down. A lot of fertilizers will encourage dogs to um, eat the soil and, and dig up that and, and eat it as well. So, okay. okay. All right. Good luck with it. Pet Chat, Dr. Kimberly Earl is here and Cheryl Shaw, who will probably end up uh, with an inferiority complex if we keep <laughs> going because we usually start with your topic, but lots of calls coming through. So we just have to bump it, Cheryl. Oh, I love the calls. It's great. There's so much to learn here. Well, we'll be learning a lot from Bruce. Uh, now, Bruce, you all of a sudden got an instant family of guinea pigs. What's the story here? Yeah, we were given two female guinea pigs. One wasn't a female, apparently. Now we have four of this. <laughs> so you've got five guinea pigs now. The one thing about birth control is yeah. the little ones start getting active. Yeah, so sure. So can you identify which of your guinea pigs is the male now? Oh, yes. We got him in a test 
Yeah, Great. Yeah. Okay. So what we would recommend, um, certainly desexing in guinea pigs is something that is relatively common. Um, just about any vet hospital, most of them will offer um, castration for male guinea pigs. Female guinea pigs in the past have been more challenging and not very many people were offering that. But we have some new techniques that have become really popular now. And there are a number of vet hospitals in the area um, that are offering desexing of female guinea pigs as well. Um, and because guinea pigs actually get a lot of reproductive disease, as they get older, females in particular will develop cystic ovaries, things like that. We do actually recommend um, desexing the um, female guinea pigs as well. So there's not really any other um, good birth control. Young, young guinea pigs can be quite tricky to sex um, if you can't or to, to, to gender determine if you um, haven't got the testes sort of dropped down there. Um, and that can take a little while. Um, you can always pop them into your local vet hospital, but we certainly will still sometimes see uh, some inaccuracies there as well. So I would recommend getting um, the dad for sure, get him um, castrated, get him desexed. And then as the little E's sort of start to get bigger, um, you know, be keeping a really close eye on that or, or you know, look for some help from your local vet um, and get the little, any other little males who come in, get them done as well. Poor little guy. Well, you know, <laughs> guinea pigs, animals don't have that emotional attachment to their bits, so it'll be all fine. still hurts. <laughs> <laughs> We're really good. We give lots of pain relief to these guys. Guinea pigs are not very stoic, so we have to give lots of pain relief. Fair point. All right, best <laughs> of luck with that, Bruce, uh, and your ever-expanding family. <laughs> Heading to Maryland. G'day, Marion. Now, your daughter has a cat. Is the cat biting the uh, your daughter, or is it biting you? No, it's biting my daughter. They live in Queensland. Oh, right, she's okay. She's actually really frustrated, and she she actually um, posted that she was going to give the cat away this morning. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, cats are hard because cat bites, um, A, they can be really, really serious. They can end you up in hospital, and, and they can actually do quite a lot of damage and cause um, some really serious infections. Um, but also cats are hard because cat behavior and cat... Uh, psychology is not very intuitive for us as humans. We um, relate much better to dogs than we do for cats. So the thing that I would really encourage your daughter to do is, first of all, um, be safe um, as much as possible. And if she can identify any triggers, um, you know, oftentimes when we say they're biting out of the blue, we can often, if we've sort of looked back on some of the more recent incidents, you'll often find that there may have been a trigger, that the cat was in a really hyper-aroused state, they were running around playing, something has happened. Um, but if not, you know, it may be um, an actual, the cat might be feeling aggressive or anxious about something else, something that's happening outside of the house. And she is using um, your daughter as a bit of a scapegoat there. So I would really encourage her, um, she's not in our local area, but I'd really encourage her to um, speak to a local veterinarian and find out what is available for behavior services. If she if she has a bond with this cat and she's, you know, wants to put some work into her, then I would definitely um, see if she can get a behaviorist out to come and have a look at the local, you know, at her house, what's happening. Um, because behaviorists who are trained in cat behavior will likely identify um, some of the problems that your daughter may not be able to sort of pick out on her own. Um, but definitely she needs to be safe and and particularly if there's any kids and things around as well. Well, no children, but it's just that um, the cat will just be sitting there and just suddenly turn around and, and bite. Mm, yeah. the beef and the, he's almost three. 
Yeah, so he's a young cat, and we do sometimes see, you know, referred um, aggression from pain. If there's if there's something causing him pain, if he's got some underlying bladder pain, things like that, that's a really common um, cystitis. Is a really common oh, thing okay. in young cats. So you know, it it wouldn't hurt for her to take him up to the vet, have a discussion, and hopefully they can, um, you know, help her with with a referral for a behaviourist. All right. Best of luck with all of that, Marion. Uh, good afternoon, Gail at Morpeth. Your two-year-old Dashhound. Uh, He's experiencing some crusty skin spots on uh, the belly and the armpit scale. Yes, that's correct. And yes. is this the first time it's happened for your little fella? Well, he's been going through it for probably a good couple of um, months now. Yep. Uh, did did take him to the vet and was given some sort of hydrocortisone cream. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah, uh, that does ease it a bit. But, um, you know, just given him a brush the other day, he ended up with a ball spot yeah. on the back near his tail, like at the top on his on his coat on the top. Right. Like it's got little crusty things too. on it. Yeah, on his on his coat as yeah. well. Has, it, has he got little pimples that you can see? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're like, okay. yes. So, yeah, so probably worth maybe another trip up there. The, the issue is going to be that your dog is now in the prime um, prime of his life to start developing, you know, allergies and things like that. So, first of all, we want to make sure that he's on really, really excellent um, flea control because even if you can't see them, if he's allergic to fleas, a single flea bite's going to set off an inflammatory reaction in his skin that's going to last him for two to four weeks. So, really, really excellent flea um, control uh-huh. and make sure that you're on something for ticks because the tick seasons uh, has definitely started so um, the new generation products you know uh, is what I would go for some of the new isoxazoline type drugs not the older things a lot of um, fleas have resistance to some of our older you know more um, familiar names but they're not as good anymore um, and then so what would you recommend in the ticks and the fleas in the fleas products? and ticks things listen I always would say see what your local vet is is stocking they're likely to have the most up-to-date thing the most appropriate for your dog there are a few um, contraindications for a few of them um, I tend to tell people not to buy the ones that you're going to get at the grocery stores um, oh. because they're often older generation products but a lot of the pet shops will have um, a similar range to what your vet will have but your vet's mm-hmm. you know the best place to sort of get the right advice and oh. then the other thing is that a, a lot of dogs who have underlying allergies will develop secondary infections so once we can work out what the allergy is to we still need to control the infection because the infections themselves will be itchy and will cause those pimples and things like that so we may need to look at some medicated shampoos if it's really severe you might even earn yourself or he might even earn himself um, a course of systemic antibiotics we certainly do rely a lot on topicals these days because we're trying to use less and less sort of systemic antibiotics but sometimes they get to that point where they do need them Um, and then there are a couple of funny little dachshund sort of um, skin conditions we know that dachshunds particularly in their belly and armpits and groin areas um, have a couple little um, skin issues that that actually are hereditary and that will come up there but they're not typically itchy so if he's itchy that's probably you know an underlying allergy maybe with some secondary infection on top dr kimberly earl is here as is cheryl shaw and good afternoon julie your male desex 10 year old cat is giving you some problems what's happening there julie um, well, he's decided that it's a good idea to um, spray in the house. Yeah, and he's never done that before, has he? 
No, not since no. he was little. Yeah. So no. what we would normally say, first of all, he's a ten-year-old cat, so yeah. there can be lots of senior issues coming up. He may be having a harder time getting in and out of the litter box. Um, you know, he might have to go up a flight of stairs to get to the litter box. So lots of things we want to start thinking about. Can my cat adequately access his litter trays? Um, has he got enough litter trays around? But of course, spraying usually occurs on a, um, a vertical surface, so they usually back up to something and they spray on the vertical surface, mm-hmm. and that yeah, is. Uh, usually considered a marking yeah is that what he's doing yes yeah so in that instance we would be more concerned about um something causing a bit of stress or anxiety in his life and that might be in your house but it might be very well outside your house because cats have very good senses of smell and they also can hear quite well and he will absolutely 100 percent know if the neighbor four houses down has a new cat and the new cat is roaming around the yard and even if your cat never goes outside um, he can still be aware of the presence of a new cat um, and that might be causing him a bit of anxiety and so he's trying to like mark his territory. Um, so yeah, I would, it's it's a tricky thing. You need to make sure you're cleaning it up really well with a good sort of mm-hmm. enzymatic cleaner. Um, if you know of any new cats in the neighborhood or if you've seen any, um, you know, we might need to start putting some um, anxiety mechanisms, anti-anxiety mechanisms in place using things like Feliway sprays and diffusers um, around so that um, he's got a sense of you know calmness and well-being. Is he an indoor cat only, or does he go out? No, he goes outside. Yeah. Um, and I haven't noticed. I have noticed one other cat. Mm-hmm. The only um, he's got. I have two cats. Yes. He's the, he's a boy, and he's got a sister, and he's usually the thug of the two. Yeah. Um, so um, I find it odd that he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Because, yeah, but um, yeah, I. I didn't know whether there was... He seems fine. He doesn't yep. seem as if he's got any health issues. Great. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just all of a sudden, in the last couple of months, he's decided that this is what he this needs to do. He needs I did read... Um, spraying vinegar around is supposed to help yeah. repel them sadly, sadly vinegar doesn't actually help very much cats don't actually care very much about vinegar at all and it certainly oh, isn't going to mask the um the odors so you really want to make sure you're using a a pet urine cleaner upper um yeah. and then then i would say use something like the um the felly way it's a, a feline and synthetic feline facial pheromone so it's a calming pheromone that you can spray so after you've cleaned that up spray yeah. the calming pheromone because what you really want to do we need to give them a sense of well-being that his house his yard everything is still safe and so it's hard to do that in the outside environment but in the inside environment you know where he has sprayed and and in the areas both where he's sprayed where you don't want him to but also in the areas where he likes to be we want to give him a, a bit of a sense of of peace and wellness so try with some um feliway see if you can source some from your vet or online and what's it called sorry um, Feliway, F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. Um, comes as a spray, it comes as a diffuser. Um, you know, mm. you may need to use a couple different things around to try to, um, I to help I think I've had that before with the other one. Yeah. Because she was grooming. Yes, and, um, yes. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Bloody good luck, luck with Thank that. You. No Sorry, worries. Okay, bye. All right, best of luck, Julie. Now, uh, Cheryl, we are going to get to you because I think we're probably not going to have time to squeeze in that big topic. We want to give it as much chance to resonate as we can. <laughs> but between now and one o'clock, we'll, we'll let you come to life with the dog of the week. What do you reckon? 
That sounds like a great idea. The smiling Cheryl Shaw and, of course, the also smiling Dr. Kimberly Earle. Now, Kimberly, we're going to ask you for a little bit more of that advice now. Yes. Bruce, who we spoke to earlier with his uh, guinea pig problems, is it a girl, is it a boy? All of a sudden we've got many more, so it it was one of each. Um, But one of the older guinea pigs has eyes which have gone opaque. Any uh, thoughts on what might be causing that? Yeah, so there's a couple things that we see um, most commonly in guinea pigs. So um, guinea pigs actually have a reduced um, protective corneal reflex, so they're not very good at blinking if something gets in their eye. So if it's one eye only that's gone opaque, then we're going to be really worried that they've had a poke, a stick of some hay or something like that into the eye, and it's caused an infection, and we can sometimes get a bit of pus buildup behind the eye. Um, And that would probably require a vet visit to diagnose. However, we also see in... Um, older guinea pigs, we see senile cataracts, just the way that humans can get cataracts. And that usually will affect both eyes. Um, And the guinea pigs with those are usually pretty normal. Like they can't see, but as long as they can find their way to their food, they can find their way to their water, they're usually pretty good. And they learn how to maneuver around their home environment and their cage pretty well. Um, The guinea pigs that have had a a stick, a poke in the eye, they've often got a bit of a weepy discharging eye and they're a little bit more uncomfortable. They might not be moving around very well. So uh, if it's two eyes, probably not too exciting. If it's one eye, probably worth a trip up to the vet. All right. Uh, best of luck with all of that, Bruce. And uh, maybe the, the vet will also uh, separate the boys from the separate girls. Separate the boys well. from the girls. That's right. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. <laughs> Cheryl, I know you wanted to talk about birds today, but we'll have to put that on the back burner for next week. Absolutely. That's fine. Um, we will jump into some very familiar ground for you here. Um, I know dogs is your thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, our dog of the week. Now, if you're thinking of uh, adding a extra pet to your family what do you reckon about max this six-year-old handsome maltese jack russell cross what do you think what a cutie what a cutie he's super handsome he is now the thing with max we're learning is that he loves to snuggle up on your your lap for some nice warm cuddles a very confident dog big personality he's currently in foster care with many other dogs both large and small. Gee, for a little fella like that to sort of be very confident in that crowd, mm. um, you know, he, he, he's going to make your home his own, isn't he? He is, yeah. It looks like he's very comfy on leaning on a pink pillow there. <laughs> he is. Cute picture. I think he's taken over the bedroom. <laughs> now, he, he doesn't mind inside or outside, but prefers to be wherever the humans are. So it looks like that whoever takes over Max in their household needs to be someone that can actually give him the time that he's uh, that he is used to and wants to continue with. That's right. He's um he's going to be a family pet. This is not the type of dog that you're going to just toss out in the backyard and yeah. you know have a hello here. How are you doing? He's once a dog. You chew toy and I'm yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. But the really good news is he's a little bit older. He's not young like some of our little ones. So hopefully he's grown his brains. Um, he's six years old, and so hopefully some of his basic training is really good. Um, probably he's going to be a dog who's a little bit more settled. He's not into his senior years yet, but maybe not in. You know he's gone past the stupid puppy age so um looks like he'll make a really lovely pet for somebody yeah and that age dog's quite um easy to adapt to a new environment so yeah, yeah. lovely so is that you just like getting ready to adopt cheryl no 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 i'm not allowed <laughs> any more dogs <laughs> <laughs> well, i have i have collective behavior so i just have to be very careful so you know i'm monitored two is now enough yeah, yeah but i mean maybe adding a little smaller one you've had the bigger <laughs> ones you go to the you've had the big end of town what about going downhill for a while uh, I think no. Oh, look, we tried Max for you, can Max. Find a nice we home. tried. Look, you if you are considering, um, if your household and your family is someone that actually would be able to accommodate Max, um, all you need to do, you can pop up to our website, 2 when you are, fm.com.au, 
and uh, find the Pet Chat page. From there, you drop down to uh, the Dog of the Week. You can click on to find Max and, indeed, uh, some of the other Dogs of the Week that we've had over the last little while as well. A couple of minutes left, 49216216. If you have a question for our uh, our uh, pet team this afternoon, Cheryl Shaw is here. We finally found something for you to do, Cheryl, so I'm, I'm proud we were able to do that. Oh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> yeah. And Dr. Kimberly Earl, who probably needs a break after this. Oh, I'm going to have a break next week because my lovely friend Fiona is going to be here. So I hope everybody will get on board and give Fiona a really good first solo show, but nothing too hard, okay? <laughs> oh, no, no. Hey, Fiona did very well last week. If uh, you're listening around Fiona, for her first one, she's come in and she's just jumped right. What did we give her? A dog that was peeing on the carpet or something, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> All so. right, we'll stick with Cat World now. Teresa at Shortland. Good afternoon, Teresa. What's going on with your male-to-sex cat there? He's been attacked by the neighbour. Uh, the neighbour's cat, actually. Yes. The neighbour's cat, yes. <laughs> Hopefully not the neighbour. Yeah, listen, this is a really hard thing, right? And it's one of the reasons, I guess, that we... Um, like to tell people that you know cats indoor cats live longer than outdoor cats because he is at risk if he's going outside he is at risk of coming in contact with other um, cats Um, and there is a risk if they're fighting if they're getting into arguments and he's developing abscesses he can develop um, FIV which is feline immunodeficiency virus or or feline AIDS Um, he's also at risk I guess of uh, you know running into a cat a dog sorry or a car Um, so it's a really hard thing because you know Tom and particularly if the other if the other cat is an entire male tom, they will prowl the area um, and they will spray and they can cause a lot of grief and stress for your cat. If you know where that cat lives, um, it's definitely worthwhile trying to talk to your neighbor and say, listen, your cat's causing some grief around the neighborhood. Um, if you I've don't, done that. you yeah. have done that. Yeah. <laughs> um, depending on where you oh, you're up in Shortland. So um, you can still potentially look at um, there are council has some. Uh, ways of you know trapping cats the, the trouble is that, the, that our laws in New South Wales allow cats to roam but they don't necessarily allow them to be in other people's yards so it's a little bit tricky mm. um, so yeah I mean I guess sometimes you can um, you know sort of catch the cat and either take it to your to your neighbor and say this cat needs to be desexed or um, see if you can you know get a council member involved who can um, persuade them that desexing is good because a lot of times that that tom once he's desexed may not be quite as prowling around but it doesn't stop them completely um i think if your cat will tolerate it even older cats can learn to become inside cats um and that's probably the best thing um because then you know he's going to be safe and protected because fiv is a really horrible disease for them to get um Mm. and and you know it only takes a single you know sort of bite wound for him to to get that so um never mind certainly inside of a night time yeah yeah and that's that's certainly a good start but if you can encourage him to um you know be inside through the day you might need to put some new you know cat um cat posts or or areas up high where he can you know sort of sit and watch the world from his um upper vantage point he will like that and that might encourage him to stay inside more so he's not howling down the house during the day thank you okay Thanks. Thank you very much. All right. Best of luck with all of that, Therese. We have we had dogs, cats, guinea pigs. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag. Well rounded out day, really. All right, Cheryl, you save that topic because next week. It'll be one for the birds, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, Dr. Dr. Kibberley, thank you so much for coming in. Appreciate your effort as always. Thank you. I'll see you in a few more weeks. That sounds pretty good. And uh, we look for, we'll make sure we crack the whip for Dr. Fiona next week. Sounds good. Don't crack the whip. Well, be we'll, nice. We'll, we'll, be we'll, kind. We'll, we'll be nice. <laughs> Cheryl, catch you next week as well. Have a great you week. Will. Thanks, Mark. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.